Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to fully trust with my wellness, and I'm so excited to share with you one of their brand new products, Harmony. That's H-A-R-M-O-N-I. Harmony is a doctor-formulated blend to ease PMS symptoms. I was a part of the beta testing for this line, and wow, it has been a game changer. So Harmony is a CBD product that actually offers that PMS relief. And if you're anything like me, PMS comes with cramps and cravings and kind of feeling like a bloated roly-poly, just rolling around. But since I started taking these little gummies each month, my symptoms have lessened and I feel more like myself no matter where I'm at in my cycle. This combination of CBD, dandelion root, B6, and magnesium make this little gummy so worth it. And their raspberry lemonade flavor seriously stops my sweet tooth from taking over. And we all know I have a sweet tooth. So the co-founder, Angie Lee, developed this product after struggling through her own journey with intense PMS. And I'm so excited to share them with you now. As you may know, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Can't suggest it enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash soul, S-O-U-L, to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use your code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. And if you're single and thinking you want to dip your toe into the pool, or maybe someone you love is single and you want to take this information back to them, there is no better time than now to dip your toe into the pool. But you want to do it in the right way. And yes, there is a right way. Guys, welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. And I've got to say, today's guest, I was having so much fun talking to that I'm really proud that I even hit the record button because I've just been completely entertained. Uh, She has a new TED Talk called The Secret to Finding Lasting Love, which is about choosing elevator people. We're going to talk about what that means. But this episode is especially for you if you're going into the new year and you are single and you want really to create results and be educated on dating this season. So without further ado, I want to bring Bella Gandhi onto the show. She is a TEDx speaker and founder of the Smart Dating Academy. She has so much going on in her business. I want to ask her about it. So we will hear more about that too. Um, in the meantime, Bella, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so excited to be here. I'm like bubbling with energy. So thank you for having me. You have such good energy. I feel like not all the time does somebody come on a podcast and feel like they're in the mood, you know? Oh, you. I'm so in the mood, but you bring that energy. Oh, so it's infectious. Thank you. I really love this show. It's like 
so fulfilling to hear from listeners and, you know, even their little, like the reviews they write. And so I know that this vertical of love is so important and you are just spewing information. You talked to me about how January 2nd is the busiest dating of the year. So I'm picturing everybody kind of like hungover from New Year's, and like <laughs> downloading, you know, the apps and I, I actually didn't know. You just told me 48 to 50%. You said 48% of adults are single in the United States, correct? Can you believe that? And sometimes we feel like we're the last single person out there, right? And I don't know if I could look at all of these beautiful listeners and say, raise your hand if you if you feel like you're the last single friend that you have. I promise you, you're not. 118 million single adults in this country. And that is a census number, you guys. Wow. It's just such a good reminder that we're not alone. And there seems to be definitely that sense of shame in our culture for being single at a certain age. Like I know for me, it's, I always cringe. I'm 34 and people are like, do you have kids? I'm like, still trying to find the right person. But the truth is I could have married two of the guys that I was with and they could have married me. And we just chose not to, um, because we didn't want to be the statistic. We wanted it to feel really right. And so I would love to kind of start off with why is it so busy in the new year for everybody? I know it's new year, new you vibes, but what is it about January 2nd? And what is that peak dating period for people to get so busy with dating? You know, all great questions. So what, when people first hear about this, most people assume the summer is busiest, right? They're like, I thought summer would be crazy, like summer loving, but actually the holidays put us in the mood to date. So that's one key driver. And the other, like you said, Ashley, almost half of adults, 48% are single, right? And what are we doing around January 1? We're making New Year's resolutions. And with that many people being single, falling in love is always in the top five resolutions, right? So when you're hungover, the ball has dropped, you know, yesterday champagne glasses are around, people are downloading the apps, so much so that match has data for the last 30 years looking at the busiest day, right? Because it's always a Sunday, number one, and it's the Sunday after New Year's Day. And that's why this year it's going to be Sunday, January 2nd. And they have it nailed down to the exact minute of the exact day. I think last year it was like 8.53 p.m. Central or Eastern time on that Sunday. And so they've got it down Pat. So that's what drives people to the apps and so in such a significant flow. So what I will tell you is if you're listening to this or and if you're single and thinking you want to dip your toe into the pool or maybe someone you love is single and you want to take this information back to them, there is no better time than now to dip your toe into the pool. But you want to do it in the right way. And yes, there is a right way. Mm hmm. Okay. Well, so obviously I need to know like, what is the right way and, um, what can, well, so knowing that, like, can you tell us a little bit more about what are some things people need to start considering right now as they're entering the new year? I'm going to make sure this episode gets out quick now, now that we're so timely, um, just about how to prepare for this time. And do you have any words of wisdom for people who are single beyond just like, you're not alone? Because I know that that's a really powerful thing to say. Is there anything else that comes to mind around that or any message that you have? Um, number one, create the life that you want to lead first. And 
loving yourself and doing the things that bring you joy, especially this time of year, which can bring some of us down. The holidays can be lovely, but they can also be really tough. Making sure that you're really in touch with the things that bring you joy, the people that bring you joy and investing in yourself first and foremost. And if you are so inspired and you feel that little flicker in your belly or that spring in your step after you listen to this to get yourself online, then do it. But don't don't do it in a way that makes you crazy. Pick one site, at most two sites or apps to be on. If not, you're going to have dating ADHD. People come to me all the time. They're like, I'm on like eight apps and nothing's working. I'm like, how can you be on eight anything? Let's slim it down to one or two so that we can focus on it. And then have someone look at the photos that you've posted on your apps. Psychological research shows that we don't pick the best photos of ourselves because we're looking at our own little ticks and our own little blemishes, but show people that are going to be candid with you what you've got posted on the apps. This is what my company does on a daily basis, right? Looking at photos, taking photos to make sure that you're representing the best, most authentic version of yourself. Five to six great photos of yourself, headshots and body shots, no other people, no kids, pets, Mm, not so much. Remember, think about this in a good way as you're the product in cyberspace. People want to date you. They don't want to date your friends. They don't want to date what you ate for dinner last night or your garden or the Eiffel Tower. They want to date you. So have you put yourself out there as the version of yourself that's going to show up to the date? Okay. I love this. And I'm thinking a lot about what I saw when I was on the apps because I just went through a breakup with a really great guy. We were together two and a half years. And Mm -hmm. after we parted, I got back on the apps. I moved to New York and it was just like, first of all, I want to address the um, stigma that certain cities, there's no men or there's no women or there's no options. People are dating is bad here. Dating is better. I will say that most of the time my mindset is very like, there's good people everywhere and there's not so great people everywhere. Um, but I will say being, having moved to New York, I've gone on dates with some of the most motivated people I've ever met. Like just the city seems to be like a prerequisite for people who are hustling in some way. So that was really refreshing. Um, you know, coming from LA, people would text you for like a month and be your pen pal in New York. It's like the next, they're like, are you available tomorrow at five at this place? Like so direct, which was really refreshing. Um, But I feel like there's this mindset, like it's a buffet of humans and you can just swipe um, and everybody's saying what feels like the same thing. Like everybody loves Paris and pizza. Um, So what would you have to share beyond the photos that people are posting um, to make sure that they really are showing who they are? So it depends on what app or what site you're on, right? If you're on something like Bumble or Tinder, you basically have a tweet and a half to talk about yourself, right? Whereas if you're on a site like Match or something like that, you've got more space to write about yourself. So if you find yourself wanting to say more specific things about yourself, then maybe pick an older school site like that where you can actually not only talk more about yourself, but read more about other people as well. So we have a lot of clients on all of the different sites and apps, but I like match based on that as you can tell your story and you can read other people's stories as well. And when you're writing a couple of things, think about yourself. Every single one of you is a really, really interesting person 
with a really unique story that doesn't match anybody else's. But your challenge and your opportunity is picking out, think of yourself as this amazing tapestry of different experiences. And what are those experiences that have either made you you, or they make you stand out, or they're fun, or they're differentiated, right? And these are the things you want to show versus tell about yourself online. Because when you write a profile based on that, you're giving people, it's kind of being generous because you're giving people conversation starters. Okay. And I know that there's plenty of red flags on the apps. Like for me personally, I had a few things where I was like, okay, I can't do that. And I also know that people kind of prematurely dismiss people. Um, So do you have anything to share around like, when are you being too critical? Like I've had plenty of clients, even though I do career coaching, they'll confide in me about dating. And they're like, I dismiss them before I even really know them. Like, why are you doing that? It's it's a fear of vulnerability or whatever it is. Um, So what are some actual red flags in your opinion on the apps? Um, And what are some things that people should, maybe they're a white flag, like come hither, you know, like what's something someone can say? Yeah, for sure. One of the, one red flag that surprises people that I've really noticed a direct correlation with craziness for is when someone says, I'm not looking for any drama, right? And, And what do we think as good, kind, some of us people pleasing people like, oh, that's good. I'm not dramatic. I don't have any drama. What that's often code for is I'm going to be the one that's going to cause you drama because I might ghost, I might unceremoniously disappear for five days or five weeks. And when I come back and if you have a response, that's dramatic. It is. That is what it is. So, so if somebody says they're not looking for drama, often they will be the ones to cause you drama. That's so true because when you say I don't want drama, you're on the vibration of drama. There's a drama to just saying you don't want drama. So very interesting. 100%. And you're exactly right along that same vein of the vibe. Anybody that's talking about what they don't want, do not contact me if you're underemployed, you're sleeping on your buddy's couch, you whatever it is, anybody that's kind of fire hosing with negativity, what do you think it's going to be like to sit across from that person for 90 minutes? Probably not that pleasant. So, and sometimes positive people can get burned and they're like, well, I really want to put in my profile. If you don't look like your photos, please don't contact me. I'm like, as soon as you start to put the negativity out there, it's not a barrier to negative people, it's actually going to bring more negative people in. Yeah, so true. And I remember on my profile, I had a picture of me on Halloween with my dad dressed as a hot dog. And (laughs) it was like shocking to me how many men like good looking, intelligent men would be like, you're amazing. This is it. And so I feel like people love that authenticity. No surprise there. Um, But it can be really hard to be yourself when you're chatting with someone, when you're on a date with them. So what feedback do you have for anyone looking to kind of learn around that first conversation? I know there's apps like Bumble. I believe you're supposed to speak first if you're the woman, correct? Um, with Bumble, you, yeah, you send out the first message and what they wanted to do with that is, you know, women get a lot of icky dick pics and all of the nasty things that, you know, and so Bumble was attempting to respond to that by giving women the opportunity to look at their matches and then instigate the first message. So that's what it's about. It's it's not like they created off of an excess of dick pics where Bumble was like, we need to solve this. Oh my gosh. 
Isn't that crazy? Like, let's put women in the driver's seat. So suddenly you're not getting barraged with all of these gross pictures. Like if you right swipe and a guy right swipes you, then you can actually, then you know if it's a match, then you can look through and say, okay, based on his profiles and the things he says, okay, I'd like to message this guy. He seems, you know, normal and nice. And that's, that was the ethos behind it. So I know it's easy to just say, be yourself, but being yourself is hard in this world. Like being yourself should be easy, but you're in a, we're in a world where there's so many messages and, and, and things to fit in with and survival mechanisms. It's hard to be yourself. So I'm curious, like, what would you suggest as someone who's opening up their phone right now or at the end of this episode? And they're like, I'm going to message Tim or whatever the guy is. Um, what feedback do you have for them to consider as they're drafting messages, really wanting to be authentic, really wanting to be themselves? And is there such a thing? And I'm guessing there is as TMI, you know, drive by vulnerability coming on too strong. Like, what would you suggest with that? I mean, to that point first, I think always understand people need to earn your story. They don't get it up front. Right. And so we often feel like we need to unpack so quickly and tell everyone all of the things. Well, you need to know that I'm recovering from this illness, or I've been married two times, or I've never been married, or I'm just off of a breakup. People need to earn that, you guys. They don't get it up front. And always remember that you get to decide when and if this person has earned that story. And so you don't have to do the drive-by vulnerability. The, the key for the first few dates, what I tell my clients, have fun. You're getting to know another human being. Don't take it so seriously. If there's red flags, don't ignore those, no matter how hot or how successful or blah, 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 whatever they are. Don't sweep those under the rug, but just look at yourself. Look at the process with gratitude. Like, you know what? I get to meet this other human. There's 7 billion of us on earth and I get to hear somebody else's story. And that's it. Take the pressure off of yourself. So often we're like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this. What do I say? And as soon as we enter it with those lenses, it never exactly goes the way we want. Whereas our clients that do best adopt the mindset, what we call psychotic optimism, right? Optimism, right. I am the chief psychotic optimist of our company. It's (laughs) knowing that love exists for me. It's a when, it's not an if. And all I have to do is date and enjoy this process while I get there. That's it. Because the lid to your pot exists. I'm telling every single one of you, your cute little pot has a variety of lids that could be a good fit. And all you get to do is find that. That's it. And that's how this process should roll out. So be know what you're looking for, know what the red flags are, but enjoy the journey because you will have your person. Hey, U-Turners, I want to take this moment to say that this episode is sponsored in part by SaneBox, an email tool that I have been using every single day to be more productive and less scattered. With the average person working and getting 100 to 200 emails a day, I don't know about you, but I've been fighting the fight with email for a few years now, and after continuously losing, I decided that I needed help. I did my research, and I was so excited to find SaneBox as an affordable tool for my Gmail, and it works with any other email provider, really, that can sort your emails for you before you open up your laptop and get lost in the sauce. All you'll see once you download it 
is on your sidebar where there's words like inbox or trash. There will be a couple other new folders that I'm totally obsessed with. One is called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for all the emails coming in that you don't need to see. And the other one, my favorite one, is called The Sane Black Hole, which is where you can drag and drop emails that you just don't want to be subscribed to anymore. The Sane Later box automatically uses artificial intelligence to know that you don't want that email and it puts it right there in that folder. Every few days, I check my Sane Later folder, skim through it, and I'm just so happy to be saving so much time. I used to spend every single morning overwhelmed by my inbox and now I have so much more time on my hands thanks to SaneBox. So for the first couple of weeks, I monitored my SaneBox once a day and dragged and dropped messages from senders that I would have wanted in my regular inbox. And now I find that it perfectly knows who should and shouldn't be waking their way in my inbox. So head on over to www.sanebox.com slash U-turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free and a $25 credit to get a serious discount on the super affordable year membership now. It's time we all get out of our inbox and back into our life. Now let's get back to this week's episode. It's, I mean, I'm still stuck on the fact that Bumble was driven by dick pics and giving women control. I've never gotten a dick pic before, so maybe I'm doing something wrong in my dating, but now I'm seeing someone, so maybe I need to ask for my first dick pic or something. I'm going to knock on wood for you so that one doesn't end up in your Unintended. Inbox. You knock on that wood, Bella. Okay. <laughs> I meant that. <laughs> okay, so... A few questions around move like pace. So there's a, there's a lot that comes to mind when people start chatting, people start dating. The first thing is, you know, I love your mindset around the first few dates. Just have fun because, it, you know, I tend to overthink things. So why wouldn't anyone else? But there's a lot with new relationships. Like when you decide something's going well, when you say the L word, um, like how to pace yourself. And I also want to ask you about serial monogamists. Like, what does that, what does it mean to be a serial monogamous in your opinion? Does that exist or is our serial monogamous just people who had a lot of luck in dating, um, or open-hearted? So just curious around pace, um, and serial monogamy. So let's take pace first. Um, if you guys take something from this podcast episode, I want you to take a lot of things, but one thing, slow it down. Okay. Date slow. People want to date and make decisions so quickly, right? I've done polls on Instagram where thousands of people have responded. And, you know, and I'll say, what's the hardest date to go on the first date, the second date, or the third date? What fascinated me the most is it split three ways. Uh, 33% of people thought the first date, second date, third date was the hardest. And I thought, why the third date? So I dug in, we started DMing people. Why is the third date hardest? Do you know what people said? Well, it's the third date. So it's getting serious. I need to know where this is going. You guys, On a third date, if you've spent maybe two hours with this person in cumulation over three dates, it's six hours. It's not even a work day. You don't need to make any serious decisions after three dates. Slow things down. At Smart Dating Academy, our clients have graphs and trajectories as to what a healthy relationship looks like. We're data-driven. 15 to 20 dates 
with no red flags over the course of three to four months. That's when we're letting our clients get into exclusive, you know, titled, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 whatever your jam is, but you're not dating other people. Your profiles are off of the apps and you're only with each other, but it's slow. Three to four months. People are like, wait, what? Well, it's hard because when there's a connection, you want to spend more time together. Um, You know, even for me, I've been seeing someone now like two and a half, three months, and we're we're not seeing other people now. But um, I think like when you bring sex into the equation, people are like, oh, we want to have sex, but we don't want to have sex. If you're going to be having sex tomorrow with somebody else, you're going to be at dinner with somebody else. So what's your feedback? I mean, there's no rules. Everybody lives their own lives. But I'm curious, just based on all the data you've looked at, what would you advise around um, getting physical exclusivity? Are there little micro steps along the way to that girlfriend, boyfriend, Mark? Uh, You know, I'm not one for rules, but I'm curious what yours technically could be. So I'll give you one word and this will probably uh, tell you where we stand on it. Sexclusivity. Mm -hmm. So if we're waiting 15 to 20 dates to get into an exclusive relationship, there's a lot of micro steps between zero and, you know, doing the deed. And so, I mean, here's the thing, especially for women, we emit high levels of oxytocin during orgasm, and that is the cuddle hormone, the attachment hormone. So what you're doing by having sex with someone who might not have earned you yet is you're chemically bonding yourself to this person, right? We're not weak as women. Knowing your body is knowing your power. And we emit so much oxytocin. You have to ask yourself, in having sex prematurely with someone, are you? do you want to be chemically attached to this person? Yes or no. So really taking this process slowly and deliberately is how in 12 years, we've had zero divorces. Wow, that's insane. It's bananas. And so this is, this is why we were, I was asked to give the TED Talk. Like, what are you guys doing over there that's helping people to do this in the right way. So it's knowing the green flags, knowing the red flags, pacing dating the right way, waiting to have sex. It's like measure twice, cut once, right? And then once you do that in the right way, you have a lot of confidence that this is the right person for you. Oh my gosh, Bella, I'm like doing everything wrong according to these. (laughs) I've probably spent five nights a week with this guy, two and a half months in. I got to like, well, I'm traveling for the holidays, so I guess that's not a bad thing. But um, serial monogamy, what feed, What do you believe that that is about? I know that there could be judgment on that, not judgment on that. Just um, for anyone who kind of maybe they identify as that, is there something under that that you have a thought on? Let me ask you a question. What do you mean by serial monogamy? Are you talking about actually people that just go from relationship to yep. relationship without getting married, but they're yep. constantly in a relationship Yes, without being married. Yep. Okay. Um, I mean, so it's hard to generalize about it, but I think a lot of that comes down to attachment theory. Mm-hmm. And I think people that can be more classified as emotionally avoidant they tend to get into relationships and they really, they're good people. You know, it's like people that they have broken attachment systems or what we call insecure attachment systems. They're lovely. They're like koala bears. They're soft and furry. We all want to hug them. But sometimes 
It's like, imagine a koala bear with four broken legs. Like they can't attach. They're good koalas, but they just can't attach to you or the tree that they need to. So serial monogamous often idealize relationships. They have some perfect idea of what it should be. And if it's not perfect, then they often can pull the plug and go along and look for the next more perfect person. Now, again, I'm being very generalist in this because there's a thousand different scenarios that can happen, but very often with people that go from relationship to relationship to relationship, always pedestalizing something. And it could be pedestalizing the person they haven't met yet, or a lot of times they pedestalize their ex. So there's a lot of strange things that happen. In the attachment stuff. That makes yeah. sense. Anybody who hasn't read Amir Levine's book, Attached, highly recommend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We do this. We do a workshop. We do, they're called love lab workshops and it's called fix your picker and your pacing. They're three hours zoom workshops. It's based on attachment work and how it plays out in dating. It's crazily popular because it really affects every single one of us. Right. And here's what's insidious you guys about attachment. More and more people are starting to know about this secure, anxious, avoidant, or anxious avoidant. But our attachment styles aren't fixed. They can morph. They're plastic based on the person that we're with. So it's like shape-shifting based on who you're with. So it's complicated. Yes. I I literally am just like so amused listening to you because I'm so not surprised that a lot of people are flocking to the attachment and dating workshop. I feel like I should have been there, honestly, by this point. Um Okay. So you also talk about the number one dating criteria people list is being tall, which, um, you know, especially women in in particular, you were saying that that's their number one thing is I want someone who's tall first and foremost. And you were saying that only 12 to 14% of men are taller than six foot. So that's quite a small slice of the dating pool of possibilities. Um, I'm curious, you know, why do you think, um, people aren't, picking the right people? Like what are some of those red flags that you think are very common that people don't pay attention to? You know, to answer your question, I think we choose badly basically for three reasons. Biologically, we're wired to preference certain things. Women are wired to want tall or bigger than them. Over 200,000 years of evolution, look, we haven't changed much as humans. We're slow to evolve. We want the big, tall, burly caveman that could go out, hunt the buffalo, kill it, bring it back home, feed the village, right? And even today, like you're saying, we've surveyed over 1,500 women and we ask them every day, what what does your dream guy look like? Tell me, oh, he's tall, preferably over six feet. So that a lot of this, I always say it's not your fault if you're not dating well, you're not picking the right people. We're biologically programmed to want certain things. And, you know, men say younger and attractive. Okay. And we're all like, oh my gosh, why do guys always want younger? Look, we're wired in certain ways. It's the same thing. Why women want tall and Hollywood messages us in a certain way and attachment. That's like the Holy Trinity that causes the perfect storm for so many of us to not be picking the right people. Mm, Okay. And, you know, I know that we talk a lot you know, when I think about red flags, I think about religion. Like if this person's super religious and you're not, like that could be a red flag or vice versa. Um, I think about sexual preferences. If this person wants an open relationship and you're very monogamous, probably not the best move. So I'm curious, do you have some fundamentals where you're like, hey, 
please flag that and notice that. Yeah. I mean, I think all of those things, what you're talking about, I would say are values red flags, right? You want commitment. They want open. You're not practicing any particular religion and they're very traditional into organized religion, right? Those are, those are, you know, signs of incompatibility, basic incompatibility. And if you talk about red flags and what to look for when you're on a date with the person, anybody who wants to rush stuff too fast, too furious, they fall in love with you too quickly and they want to lock it down, take down profiles. And anybody who is nice to you, but you can see that they have that caustic side with others. It can be as much as how they talk to the waiter or the waitress or the valet or the way they pick up their phone and talk to their parents. Anybody that you feel like looks like they're angry or just edgy, it's just a matter of time until that comes out on you. Mm, Great feedback. Okay. So I'm still going to challenge your pace thing because I have so many friends who are like, oh my gosh, third date. It was just like so magical. Was in love with him by the fifth date. We moved in together in six months. We've been married five years. Everything is so happy. I'm guessing that's just the exception, not the rule. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. My best friend met her husband of 20 it's something years at this point. They have three kids. They live in Atlanta. The first night they met at a bar. She was a freshman. He was a sophomore. They slept together and they're now happily married, right? With three kids. Like that stuff happens. But life in general, I think most of us want to play where our odds are best, mm-hmm. right? And if that's the 1% odds, I'd play in the 99% if I were you. That's where I'd like to be. So yes, there are people that that happens for, yay them, but then don't use that as your yardstick. And this is the problem that I see with so many women that will come to me like, well, all my friends have met someone on the first, second, or third date with online dating. Why hasn't that happened for me? It's like, well, that's them and you're different. Don't use other people's experiences as your marker because that's your expectation. Most of unhappiness in life is due to mismet expectations. Mm, love that. Okay. And, you know, you sent me, or you'd mentioned some interesting statistics around marriages ending in divorce. You were saying that the first, can you share a little bit more about the first, second, and third? And why do you think those numbers are the way they are? Yeah. So the data show that 50% of first marriages end in divorce. And the majority of those divorces happen in the first eight years. Then when we try to do it again, 67% of second marriages end in divorce. But wait, there's more. 74% of third marriages end in divorce. And now a number that not many people talk about, another 10 to 15% of couples permanently separate. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are never reported. So even if you look at first marriages, right, it's like 50% end in divorce, another 10 to 15% permanently separate, you're at 65%. So you've got a third left standing. How many of those are actually happy? So this is where I tell people, like, you really want to be mindful and conscious of how you're picking people and not doing things quickly just based on lust. Yeah. Lust is nature's way of tricking us into attachment. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. Lust (laughs) is nature's way 
of tricking us into attachment. Yeah, I believe it. And it's hard. You feel like drunk on chemicals. I just came out of this. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like hitting my brain so strong. It's intoxicating. It's How like- How the hell do you slow down when you're like high on love feeling, lust? Oh my gosh. Dr. Helen Fisher, an anthropologist has done amazing research where she's looked at the brains of people that are in love and they resemble the brains of people that are addicted to cocaine. Yeah, that's right. That sort of feeling is an addiction, mm-hmm. right? And so now come back to what do we preach at Smart Dating Academy? Slow that shit down, right? Don't get yourself into addiction mode. And if you slow it down, Okay. And even when our clients have an amazing first date and the person's like, oh my God, I want to see you tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. It's like, slow your roll. If he says, this was an amazing date. What are you doing tomorrow? Old you would be like, nothing. I want to hang out. New you was like, oh my gosh, I would so love to. I have the craziest week. Could we do next Tuesday? Right. And now I have you, if you're in my net, You've got a dating funnel. You have multiple options. I am a former finance person turned dating coach. So we're always diversifying your dating assets. (laughs) I love that. Abundance. Abundance. You've got many people. And what happens if you have multiple options? Guess what it automatically does? Slows things down. Stops you from ignoring red flags. Stops you from getting into the addiction phase of lust. As soon as, especially for women, as soon as we only have one, we just do this. The blinders go on and we're like, I just want that one. And we go into nesting mode. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There's also going something to be said about pace being so slow. Like I have a girlfriend who the guy's really busy and I mean, he's literally going at a freaking glacial pace, humble opinion. And she's such an amazing, beautiful, hardworking woman. And she is like, wow, our connection's so cosmic. And and then, yeah, she's inviting him to things and he's like not really biting and he's busy and they've had three dates in like a month and a half. I feel like that's really slow. If you're that's really- way too slow. Yeah. I, like I want to date a week for the first month and then it ramps up to two dates a week over the next month. And then it could be three dates a week. So there is an upward positive trajectory. That sounds like it's what I call in the failure to launch category, right? And those things can peter out. And if I can leave you with another concrete jelly bean to put in your pocket is I want you to be with somebody who likes you just a little bit more than you like them. Mm. Okay. And so And what does that mean? Does that mean that person doesn't respond to you and doesn't want to date you as often? No, it means the opposite. And if you're seeing that after the third date, have some other people in your funnel. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our really good friends over at Organifi. And what I absolutely love about them as a company is that their products are perfect for someone like me who has a busy schedule but really wants her nutrients on the go. It can be really hard to set that time aside to do the juicing or eat your greens. And that is why I've particularly fallen in love with their green juice powder. This powder has become something I just throw into my protein shake to make sure I'm getting my greens on. And oddly, I've gotten so into it that now I'm throwing it into my morning coffee with a nut milk, which somehow is making my coffee taste like a peppermint coffee. No idea how that happened. 
But truly, even if I had the time to juice vegetables or make massive salads, I don't always love that taste of the dark leafy greens. Their green juice powder is packed with superfoods like moringa, chlorella, mint, beetroot, matcha, wheatgrass, ashwagandha, turmeric, so much more. I always give myself a little pat on the back when I throw a scoop of their green juice powder into my day. So if you want to give their green juice powder a try, I can't recommend it enough. Head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use that U-Turn code at checkout for 20% off. And if you're weird like me and you throw some green juice powder into your coffee with your nut milk, please send me a DM on the gram and let me know what you think of my little concoction. All right, now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, life is such a freaking numbers game. It just continues to go back to that. And it's so magical how having options helps you see things so much more clearly. I mean, scarcity is so real. Um, One thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, or maybe it's just me, is when your heart is invested in one person, dating the other ones feels really tough. Like it's not as fun. You want to be with the person you're vibing with. So um, in my case, I actually started seeing a really awesome guy and I was already interested in two other ones. And I felt almost like my heart was like confused. Like, how do I be in this connection? I felt like I'm not a fit for the bachelorette TV show clearly, because I would be a nightmare on that show with my own attachments. But (laughs) And you know what? Everybody can just be on The Bachelorette. We could just swipe and tell everybody to meet us in the same place at 7 p.m. and wear a nice dress and get a blowout show up. And it's you're on The Bachelorette, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, yeah, like what advice do you have for someone who whose heart is starting to get connected and is struggling to be present um, when it's it's kind of distracting and heavy to have an open heart like that with multiple people? Yeah. and. It is a struggle and know that it will be a struggle. And remember, life is a struggle. So it's okay if your heart's pulling you in one direction, let your head weigh in also and say, it's a little bit too soon for me to put all my eggs in this one basket. And also I'm going to throw in another little thing. If you've had bad dating patterns and you have a bad picker, chances are that without intervention and without help, this person might be same dude different face that is pulling you towards them. So there's a lot of reasons why to talk to yourself intellectually, to not jump into something too quickly. It's like, well, let's see if he's going to earn me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love when you say that, because one thing that I think about is like, how does someone know that they have changed? Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening right now, you know, me included listening to myself talk. And I'm like, okay, the picker has been off. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm with something different. That's better for me. How do you actually know outside of slowing down? What are some ways that you can help someone kind of discover that? Right. So we, I mean, 
and thinking about you just have to start knowing when to ask the right questions, right? To make sure that there is compatibility, right? With our process, I mean, we have a process that we do one-on-one with each individual client. So we help them for women. We call them high GHQ guys. That's our trademark, high and good husband qualities. Who is your high GHQ guy, Ashley? And then we know exactly what the green flags are, exactly what the red flags are. And so, and depending on where you are with each individual person in your funnel, you're going to start to look for certain things. You're going to start to ask the right questions like, hey, you know, after, you know, the fifth date, like, is your long-term goal to get married? Like, where do you sit on these things? Like, where do you want to live long-term? Because you don't want to fall in love with someone. And this happens so often. It's like, well, I didn't want to bring that up too soon. It's like, you're in this, you're in the dating pool to fall in love and to find the lid to your pot. At a certain point, you do want to know that you're compatible on these major life things. Don't let that go too long. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting because I find that, especially when I'm at dinner with a lot of friends, sometimes, especially the ones that are dating, it can come across like maybe they're nitpicking people and dismissing people needlessly, like, oh, he's not tall enough or whatever. And and then for me, coming from self-development, I'm like, everybody has the right to believe or want what they want, you know? Yeah. Um, so then I kind of get neutral about it. And I'm like, all right, like maybe they're not nitpicking. Maybe this is just what they want. Um what what do you have to say about that? Because I know it's such a tendency to kind of pick someone apart or to be afraid to commit because you don't think, you know, that it's going somewhere or that they deserve you or I, I don't know anything on that. I think you need to get clear, number one, because a lot of times when we're just unceremoniously picky, it's like Seinfeldian, right? I don't like the way she eats her peas. I don't like her toes, really. Like that's not important. Ultimately, you need to be picky about the right things. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, because I feel like everybody has different non-negotiables and sometimes we can negotiate with our non-negotiables. But if there's anything that I've learned, it's that every package is different. So maybe something that was not workable for you with one person is totally okay with another because the whole package combined, you know, makes it make sense. Like for example, um, I never thought that I could be in a long-term partnership with somebody who smokes because I'm not a smoker and I value wellness, no judgment to anybody who smokes, but I can't be in the secondhand smoke. Then I started dating somebody who I found out later smokes, but because he was such an amazing guy on so many levels, I was like, maybe I can overlook this. So I would love for your candid feedback here because I don't want to, I don't want to assume I'm the only one doing this. Um, Do you think that we're just blind and mute and deaf and just pretending that we don't believe or want something? Or do you think that that's a very real thing where something non-negotiable with one person is totally negotiable with another? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's B. Things can be negotiable from one person to the next. What I'll tell you, here's another jelly bean, is this: let this get you excited. That love will come to all of you. Remember, we're all psychotic optimists, but love always comes in an unexpected package, mm-hmm. right? And now what does that mean for you? It's been smokers to non-smokers. And I'm sure if I did a coaching session with you and drilled in, there'd be lots of things that you thought wouldn't work, but then it did with someone else. And what you thought wouldn't work did and what you thought would didn't. And that's how, that's how this process is when we're, when you don't feel like you're rooted and you know where you're going. I mean, look, 
Finding love and a romantic partner is the most important thing we will ever do in our lives. I grew up with a poster in my house. My dad's an entrepreneur. And when he wanted to put something into our heads, he found a way to write it or nail it somewhere. And it was called the 21 rules for the 21 suggestions for success. It's actually hanging in a corner in my office. Rule number one, okay, for rules for success, marry the right person. This one decision will determine 90% of your happiness or 90% of your misery. Okay. A dude wrote this a long time ago, right? This was hanging in the house when I was a teenager. And yet, if you sit back and you thought about it, I remember being 16 and looking at that. I'm like, nobody teaches us how to do this, but it's the most important thing for success. Like I'm learning European history ad nauseum in school at an AP level, but I'm not taught how to do this. Right. So we're not taught how to do this. So everything that you're asking is 100% what people think about. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm saying there's help out there. (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. Okay. Um, you talk about this concept of choosing elevator people. And I thought it was so much fun before we hit the record button, you started getting into that. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that really means to you and what that can mean for everybody listening? Yeah. So this is something that we've been doing you guys for 12 years since I started smart dating Academy. And I think it's one big piece of the puzzle and why we've had zero divorces in 12 years. So this is what the Ted talk is actually about what our checklists look like versus what a good checklist should look like. Mm -hmm. And what we, the thesis in the talk, and I won't give away too many spoilers if you want to watch it, um, but it's choosing what we call elevator people in your life. Instead of just relying on your old checklist, I want them to be really tall and successful and have more money than me and have hair and like to travel and be a foodie and da, 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 which is the normal list people come in with. What we do is we ask them, Who are the people in your life that make you really, really happy? We call them elevator people. Elevator people because they lift you up and they elevate you, right? They bring you up, but an elevator also brings you down, grounds you, and keeps you safe. So who are the elevator people in your life and why do they make you happy? And then use those characteristics of why that person makes you happy in this relationship. And it's not a list like, oh, my best friend, Ashley, because she's super cute and has brown wavy hair and has given a great TED talk and written great books and has a great podcast. That's great about Ashley. But what you love about Ashley is she's always there for you. She's a total cheerleader. She listens and she's really present and she asks great questions and she really loves you for you. That is why she's an elevator person. Who are those people in your life? Write them down and think about why they make you happy and start seeing how the dates that you go on, how do people make you feel? Do they make you feel like your elevator person? Because ultimately, here's the, here's the spoiler. I want you to marry or fall in love with an elevator person for you. Mm, beautiful. Okay. And I know that, you know, my elevator person is my best friend, Nick, who I just every single day, I think to myself, if I was interested in women, Nick and I would be, and she was too, we would be so married and so so happy together, best friends. Um, Okay. So what have I not asked you about dating or about finding love that you think is really important for everyone to know before we go? It's never too early 
you guys, and it's never too late to find love. We tell ourselves so many bad stories. Well, I'm kind of damaged because I've never been married and people are going to discriminate against me and think something's wrong with me. Or I'm damaged because I'm so young and I've been divorced and I already have two kids. Or I've been divorced three or four times. Who's going to want that? Or my gosh, I lost a spouse too early or too late and I'm grieving. And am I ever going to find this person again? Are people going to think I'm a sad sack if I say I'm widowed? It's all of that is the monkey chatter that exists in your brain, right? You are amazing. And if you're ready to find love, get optimistic and go out there and do it. And don't tell yourself the bad story. The bad story will keep those concrete shoes on you and keep you stuck exactly where you are in fear. Mm, Thank you so much. Where can everybody find you? Where's your attachment workshop for everybody to get their shit together, including me? Give me the goods. So you can go to our website is smartdatingacademy.com. You can sign up for our newsletter by filling out any contact form. You'll get lots of free tips and tricks. Follow us on Instagram. I do Instagram live free hour long shows. Started to do them during COVID every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central at Smart Dating Academy. There's hours and hours and hours of free footage and tips on there. Um, You can watch the TED Talk. Um, create uh, it's the secret to finding lasting love. Um, and we're, you know, just get excited about peak dating season. I want to hear from all of you and I want to hear what you're doing to get yourself into this amazing time where there's more and better fish in the sea than at any given time during the year. Oh, you're such a gem. Thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. I love this conversation. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn Podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast.
or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.